You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's word today. Yeah, Father, you're so holy, God. You're so holy, God. And we just thank you that that through Christ we get the privilege to enter into the very near presence of a holy God. just thank you for your presence that's in this room today, God. We thank you for what you want to do in this place. God, we come this evening with expectation that you are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. That's who you are, God. You are the same today, yesterday, and always. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us. And Father, I just pray that even right now, that you would begin to move across this place. That even during this prayer, that you would begin to touch people's bodies, God. Father, that if people are standing and they're in pain, that even right now, you would bring healing to their bodies. That bondages would be broken off tonight in Jesus' name. That sicknesses would be healed. Father, even during the preaching of your word, Father, I pray that faith would rise in this place. As your word says, now with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another, from one level to another. And God, I just pray that we would go to that next degree tonight. We want to see your glory, God, as Moses prayed. Show us your glory. Show us your glory this evening. we promise to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in Jesus name amen you may be seated Jesus 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 hallelujah good evening it's wonderful to see you all this evening i want to i want to thank pastor dan for his friendship, for his trust, uh, and for, for your hospitality. You know, we, when we got to the hotel, this, not every church does this. It's always very special. When we got to the hotel, uh, they had toys waiting for all of our kids. They had lunch for us. They had everything. And it, it, it's, such, it's such a blessing to, to see that hospitality, and especially the kids. We're, we're so blessed. So thank you, Pastor Dan. Uh, I want to thank all of you for being here this evening. I want to thank those of you in advance uh, who who are going to sow into the ministry. We can't do it without you. It's such a blessing. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk much more about the ministry this evening because I just want to preach the word. Uh, tomorrow morning, we're gonna. I'm going to share what we do uh, as far as church planting around the world and rescuing girls from human trafficking and and the work that we're doing around the world. You'll, you'll hear more about that tomorrow. Is that okay? I just, I, I want to get into the word this evening. Can we just get into the word this evening? 
I, I want to read to you from John chapter 2. And we're going we're gonna to live in this chapter both tonight and tomorrow. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to read John chapter 2, verses 1 and 11. The, verses 1 through 11. The Bible says, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you to do. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want to preach to you this evening under the title, How to Receive Miracles from God. How to Receive Miracles from God. And then tomorrow I'm going to preach the second half of this passage uh, and I'm going to preach to you tomorrow on how to become a vessel for the miraculous power of God to flow through you towards others. Because it's extremely exciting when you receive a miracle, but to me it's even more exciting when God starts working miracles through you on behalf of others. Amen. So that's what I'm going to teach you tomorrow morning as we, cel as we celebrate Pentecost. We're going to have a Pentecostal morning. But this evening, the first thing I want to teach you from this passage is I want to teach you how to receive a miracle from God. Because I realized this evening that probably different people came in uh, representing different needs. Right? Maybe you came here this evening and you need a miracle in your body. You need a miracle of healing. Or maybe you came, you need a financial miracle, or you need a miracle in your mind, or you need a miracle in your family, or there's a mountain standing in your way that hasn't moved, or, or there's storms that haven't been calmed. I realize that, that different people came in uh, representing different needs, but I have good news for you this evening, and that is that we serve a miracle-working God, right? He's still Jehovah Rapha. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the same the same. Jesus that healed every single person who came to him for healing is the same this evening. Amen. The same God who parted the Red Seas is the same God who is here this evening. He has not changed. His desire has not changed. His will has not changed. His ability has not changed. He is still a miracle-working God that we worship in this place this evening. And let me tell you something. If we're not seeing miracles in our midst, the lack is not on his end. Huh. Can we, just, can we just be humble enough to say that? 
Like that just that only takes a little bit of humility, right? Just to say, like, if I if my life doesn't look like what the Bible says my life should look like, it's not his fault. Right? Jesus paid a price on the cross two thousand years ago for my life to look exactly like the Bible says my life should look. Right? And if there's something that's not lining up between my life and the scripture, the lack is not on him. But I want to teach you this evening uh, how, they, how to receive miracles from God. If we serve a miracle-working God, a God who heals, a God who desires to heal, how can you receive miracles from God? I, wa- I want you to notice in this passage that Mary received a miracle from God. She got the results that she wanted, right? And if you want to get the same results that Mary got, you got to understand what Mary understood. Hmm. Amen? Hmm. I believe that one of the things that we're lacking in the church is, 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 is spiritual understanding, revelation of God's word, right? If you, want, if you want to get the results that Mary got, you've got to have the understanding that Mary had. Amen? So I want to give you this evening four understandings that Mary had that caused her to receive this miracle. The first thing that Mary understood that caused her to receive the miracle was she understood that Jesus was the answer to her problem. That seems simple, church, but it's not simple, right? She understood that Jesus was the answer to every one of her problems. Church, we have got to come to a place where we understand, I don't know what your problem is, but I know the answer. Right? Whatever problem you're facing in your life, Jesus is the answer to that problem. And I love in this story that Mary doesn't go try to find the wine dealer. How many of us would have ran to the nearest vineyard? Right? They tell her, they tell her, we ran out of wine, right? How many of us would have gone to the nearest vineyard? But she doesn't do that. She goes directly to the source because she understood that Jesus was the ultimate answer to any problem she might face in life. And let me tell you something. Running out of wine at a wedding doesn't seem like an automatic, oh, yeah, Jesus is the answer to that problem too. But he is the answer to every one of the problems that you may face in your life. One of the reasons that we see so many miracles in the crusades that we do in Africa, and we see a lot in America too, but even on a heightened level in Africa, one of the reasons I believe is because they don't have anything else to put their faith in except God. They they, they can't put their faith in 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 their medical system. They have no faith in their medical system, right? Church, often we have more faith in our doctor to heal us than we do in God to heal us. I'm not trying to be mean this evening. I'm really not. But when something happens in our body, and if our first, our first thought, our first response to that is, I need to call my doctor, then who is your faith in to heal you? <sighs> mm. We got to come to the place, church, 
where we go to the great physician, we go to the source, right? Whatever, if you're running into, into financial troubles, that your, your first response is, and I got to call my, my cousin or my uncle or, or somebody to bail me out, right? But you go to the source. You go to Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides for everything that you need. When you need healing in your body, that your first instinct isn't to call the little physician, but to call the great physician, we got to understand, church, that Jesus is the answer to every one of life's problems. This last crusade in January, we did a crusade in, in Butelesia, Uganda. I'll share some more about it uh, uh, tomorrow. But Butelesia is a primarily Muslim city. It's the worst, some of the worst witchcraft as well in Uganda. And so it was this really amazing thing that God did there. Uh, but, what, but we just saw an outbreak of miracles. One, one of the nights of the crusade, we saw over a thousand people totally healed in one night. <laughs> Amen. And when people, when local people started hearing about what God was doing in the crusade, uh, they were coming from every corner. And, and there was one mother whose daughter was in the hospital with malaria, and she was like at death's doorstep, right? Like she wasn't, she wasn't recovering. She was getting worse and worse. Uh, uh, the, the doctors weren't helping her. So this mom literally went to the hospital, checked her daughter out, and brought her to the, to the crusade. And when we prayed for the sick that evening, the fever instantly left her. Hmm. Hmm. Church, we got to come to the place where we have more faith in Jesus as the answer than anything that we have in our society. There was a guy just, just a, few, a couple months back, I was preaching in a church in America, and there was a guy who came forward for healing, and, and he told me that, uh, that his hand had been severed. I, could, severed. I could see where it was sewed back on, but his hand was dead. He said, I forget how many surgeries the doctors told him he was going to have to have to return mobility to his hand, but it was like dozens of surgeries. Like It was like a ton of reconstructive surgeries this guy was going to have to have to return mobility to his hand, but he came forward at the healing altar call. And he said, I just know that Jesus can heal it. Like the doctors say, I think it was 27 surgeries or something like that, that I'm going to need to fix my hand. But I know that Jesus can heal it. And we prayed for his hand and God touched him. And I said, now move it. And he started moving his hand all around and full strength and full mobility was returned to his hand in an instant. The doctors would have needed 27 surgeries. God did it in an instant. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just this past weekend, I was preaching at a church in Pennsylvania, and, uh, and, and a young girl came forward who had been born uh, very early. I forget how early, but she'd been born very early, so she had overcome a lot of health obstacles, but the one thing that she still had is that she was almost, almost totally deaf. She had like maybe a quarter hearing in her ear, so she wore hearing aids all the time to be able to hear things, and her grandma, her grandma brought her forward, and, they, and she said, listen, this, the doctor said this is just the way it is, right? But I believe Jesus can heal her. And so we prayed for this young, I think she was 11 or 12 years old. We prayed for this young lady and in an instant, God opened her ears. She took her hearing aids out and could hear perfectly. 
This was just last Sunday, right? Like, we serve a miracle-working God who's so much bigger, so much better, so much powerful than our physicians, right? And we need to put our faith back in the great physician as our healer, as our provider, as the answer to every one of our problems. I want to read you a passage of Scripture. You guys know this passage well. It's Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 and 5, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Church, I want you to realize that in that Two verses talking about Jesus, that wraps up every one of the problems that you might face in life. (laughs) It says, surely he has borne our griefs, which means diseases, and carried our, our sorrows, which means sufferings, yet we esteemed him smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his stripes we are healed. On the cross, Jesus paid a price for your diseases. He paid a price for your suffering. He paid a price for your anxiety because it says upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his stripes, we are healed. And I want you, that's every problem, church. Every problem you might face in life is wrapped up in that verse, right? And I want you to notice, even the problems that are your fault, (laughs) even the problems that you have in life that are your fault, the Bible says he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. At the end of the day, every problem that you have in your life is a result of sin. Either your sin, someone else's sin, or Adam and Eve's original sin. Every problem you have in your life is a result of sin. But, uh, but even those problems that are directly, specifically a result of your own sin, Jesus paid a price to heal that. Church, I'm saying, it, this is what I'm saying. It, I don't care if you, if you have lung cancer because you smoked for 40 years. Jesus paid a price to heal that. And then you should stop smoking. <clears throat> But Jesus paid a price to heal that. I remember when I was in Bible college, I had to learn this. When I was in Bible college, one of my best friends, I love this guy to this day. Uh, he came into my, my dorm room. You probably know Jay. Do you know JC? JC, yeah, he knows him. Uh, <laughs> so he came into my dorm room one day. He had gotten mad, and he went out and he kicked a tree. Right, something happened in his family, and he went out and he kicked a tree as hard as he could. And in his mind, he thought he was going to chop down the tree, but instead, the tree chopped him down. Right, and so he came back to the dorm rooms limping. Right, and, and he had this guy had the nerve to come to my dorm room and say, "Man, I need you to lay hands on me. I kicked a tree, and now I can't walk right." 
And, and I said, man, I'm not going to lay hands on you for that. You kicked a tree. Now you can't walk. That's called stupidity, right? Maybe you should learn a lesson from this and not kick a tree next time, right? That was my attitude at the time. But then the next day, he went to somebody else and asked for healing. And this guy laid his hands on his leg and prayed for him. And instantly, God healed his leg. <laughs> and that's when I realized, church, God is a lot better than me, Right? He's a lot more gracious than I am. He's more gracious than you can imagine. We serve a good God, a loving God, a God who works miracles, a God who wants to heal you, a God who wants to provide for you, a God who wants to be your everything so badly that he was willing to die on a cross <clears throat> to be able to do it. Hallelujah. Every one of your problems finds its answer in Jesus. Church, I've only been saved for like 14 or 15 years, right? Before I was saved, I was, I was a lunatic. I was a, I was a knucklehead, right? I was, I was a drug addict. I was a drug dealer. I was in and out of prison, multiple felonies on my record. Like, I had every problem you can list before I knew Jesus. List a problem, I had it. Right? Like, I was, I was, I was addicted. I was depressed. I, I didn't have any friends anymore because I was too violent. Nobody would invite me to the party anymore. Right? Because I was definitely going to fight someone when I was there. I was broke. Right? Like, I, I had spent all my money. I, I, I mean, I, I had every problem you can list. 14 years ago, God canceled my lifetime subscription to problems. <sighs> mm. I used to be so angry, church, and now I can't stop smiling. Like, that's, that's the only problem I, that Jesus hasn't fixed. I can't stop smiling now. And sometimes my face cramps up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Every one of the problems that was in my life found its answer in Jesus. Hmm. That's the first thing that we need to come to tonight. We need to settle in our hearts, settle in our spirits, that every problem that I face, I'm going to find the answer in Jesus. I'm not going to look to all these other things. I'm going to find the answer in Jesus. Amen? The second thing that Mary understood that caused her to receive the miracle, she understood that she had to make the request in faith. Mary understood that she had to make the request in faith. And it didn't have to be a, a complicated, a long, fancy prayer. In fact, Jesus says, don't pray like that. He says, your father already knows what you need before you even ask, right? You don't have to heap up a bunch of words and phrases. He already knows what you need. Mary didn't pray this fancy prayer, but she simply went to Jesus and she made the request in faith. She said, Jesus, we're out of wine. But she said it in faith. <clears throat> I want you to understand this evening, church. God is moved by two forces. One is his own compassion. We see God heal because of his own compassion, right? That's one of the things that moves God. The other force that moves God is your faith. And when your faith meets God's compassion, miracles happen. Amen? But you got to ask in faith. 
Church, I, I, I want you to understand that God is not bound by anything except hmm, by his own promises. I'm going to say that again. I said God is not bound by anything except by his own promises because he cannot deny himself. Otherwise, he would not be faithful. Every promise of Scripture, God has contractually obligated himself to respond to. When, when you say that, people say, well, what about God's sovereignty? I has to, let me explain it. God, in his sovereignty, has sovereignly chosen to give us these precious and very great promises. He didn't have to give us these promises, but in his sovereignty, he chose to. And every promise of God finds its yes in Jesus. I, I want to read you a passage of scripture. Listen to what the Bible says. In Mark 11, 22 through 24. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I got to read it again because you guys didn't hear it. Listen to it again. Mark eleven twenty two through 24. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea. Whoever speaks to a mountain and says, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Church, this is a promise of scripture. Too often, we read the scriptures through the lens of our own disappointments. So when you hear a scripture like this, people stay quiet. <laughs> because often we're reading it through the lens of our own disappointments. The, the, we got to come back to the place where we read the scripture like a child, with the faith of a child. If that's what it says, that's what it means. What if God actually meant what he promised us? Uh. What if we could actually speak to the mountain, and if we didn't doubt but had faith, that mountain has to move? Ah. Every promise of God finds its yes in Jesus. If you will ask in faith and do not doubt in your heart, the Bible promises that it will be done for you. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want, to read a, I want to read a story in the Bible. 
Go with me to Luke 8, 43 through 48, if you're, if you're flipping in your Bible. Luke 8, 43 through 48. The Bible says, as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the, of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. What, what, what was the force that made her well? See, sometimes the Bible says that Jesus stops and he's moved with compassion. So he heals all the people. But this, this time, he didn't even notice this woman. It was her faith that made her withdraw on the power of God. And I want you to notice in this story, uh, just, just picture what's happening here, right? So Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? And Peter answers him. He said, what do you mean? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. The crowd is pressing in on you. Everybody's touching you. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. Somebody touched me for I perceive that power has gone out from me. I want you to know this evening, church, that everybody was touching Jesus, but only one person touched him in faith. Everybody was touching him. But there was only one who touched him in faith. And when she touched him in faith, she made a withdrawal on the power of God that healed her immediately. Yeah. Look to your neighbor and say, immediately. I want you to know this evening, church, there's, there's a different level of faith that's necessary for the immediate. <laughs> the immediate requires a higher level of faith than the eventual. <laughs> we see it in this story, and we see it again in the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. When the centurion comes to Jesus and says, My servant is sick and suffering terribly. Jesus answers the centurion and says, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answers Jesus and says, no, I'm not even worthy to have you come in my house. Simply say the word and it will be done. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And when I say to one, go, he goes. And when, do I, say, when I say to another, come, he comes. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled. This guy had a faith that made Jesus marvel. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, Truly I tell you, and with no one in Israel have I found such faith. You know all his disciples were from Israel? He said, including all of you. 
See, they have faith, but they didn't have such faith. There's a difference between faith and, and such faith, <laughs> right? And I want you to know that if the centurion hadn't had such faith, his servant still would have been healed eventually. Because Jesus would have made the journey. And he would have gone there and he would have laid hands on him. And there's not one person who Jesus laid hands on who wasn't healed. His servant would have been healed eventually. But there's a different level of faith that's necessary for the immediate. The Bible says in that story that immediately his servant was healed. Immediately. We got to start having faith for the immediate church. That we serve a God that can not only do it eventually, but he can do it immediately. We got to have the faith of the woman with the issue of blood that knew if I could, you know, she'd been told for 12 years, there's nothing we could, she spent her whole fortune, everything she had, she spent on the doctors. They said, we can't do anything more for you. But she said, I know that if I can just simply touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. We got to start having faith for the immediate. I remember one time I was in a meeting and and there was a young man, and, and he came forward, and, and he, walked, he walked like this because his leg from birth was turned inward. So he walked like this. This is how he walked his whole life, right? And he was probably 19 years old, and he came up, he came up to the altar call, and he said, all of the doctors say that there's nothing that they can do for me. This is just the way it is. But he said, but I know, and he was in tears. He said, I know that Jesus can heal me. And so we prayed for him. And, and, and actually, at first, nothing happened. The first prayer, nothing happened. But we came to the place where we said, are we going to believe God for this or not? And so we prayed again. And we prayed again. And we kept praying. And eventually this guy's leg started shaking. And then it audibly popped three times. And his leg was perfectly straight. And he took off and started running around the auditorium because he'd never been able to run before. But we got to come to the place where we have faith for the immediate church. The next thing that, I, that Mary understood that you got to understand, if you want to see miracles happen in your life, the next thing that you got to understand is Mary understood that she had to refuse to doubt. Even when she had a reason to. She understood that she had to ask in faith and then refuse to doubt. You know, there, there's only two reasons that Jesus ever gives in the gospel accounts why miracles don't happen. When the, when the miraculous fails to manifest, Jesus only ever gives two answers. The first one is the absence of faith. The second one is the presence of doubt. It sounds the same, but it's different. <laughs> right? And, and Jesus never says it wasn't God's will this time. Sometimes we, we, we blame God far too often for the lack that we have in our lives. Church, it, it, it's easier to do that, right? It's easier to say, well, God must not have wanted it, rather than to say, I got to grow. I got to grow into everything that Jesus says about who I am. He's the God of the breakthrough. Amen? 
We see this in the Bible. We see, we see uh, the, the one time is when Jesus is dealing with the, the epileptic boy, had their spirit of epilepsy. He would throw him into the fire, throw him into the water, and, and, and the disciples prayed over the epileptic boy, and they failed to cast out the demon. And the father brought the boy to Jesus, and he said, I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do it. But if you can, please do something. And Jesus answered and said, if I can. All things are possible for him who believes. He doesn't say all things are possible because I'm the Messiah. <laughs> he says all things are possible for the one who believes. He said, bring the child here. And then he said to his disciples, you faithless generation, how long do I have to bear with you? <laughs> we think of Jesus as very gentle, right? Like, in, and a lot of times he was, but not always, right? <laughs> Sometimes he was very direct in this kind of stuff. And they came to him afterwards, after he cast the demon out of the boy, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? He says, it was because of your little faith. Hmm. And because this kind comes not out but by prayer. And in some translations and fasting. Hmm. There's another story when the disciples are out to sea and there's a great storm. And, and, and they're, they're, all, they're all terrified. They're all freaking out up, up on the top of the boat. Meanwhile, Jesus is sleeping underneath the boat. Right? And that tells me, first of all, that the reality that Jesus lived in, the storm wasn't a cause for concern. <laughs> he wasn't worried about that. He, he could sleep through any storm. He wasn't worried about it. But the disciples wake him up, and he comes up. He says, okay, whatever. He gets out of bed. He comes up to the top of the boat. He rebukes the storm, and, and like it's nothing, right? He just comes up. He rebukes the storm, and there was a great calm. And he turns to his disciples. He says, where is your faith? In other words, why didn't you calm the storm? Hmm. Are you guys with me, church? But then there's this other story where Peter... And this, this story is one of the most amazing moments in the life of Peter, right? Peter, this, this finite man, he, he sees Jesus walking on the water. And he says, Lord, command me to come to you, and I'll come to you. And Jesus releases the word come and makes it possible for Peter to come, right? When Jesus releases the command come, it makes it possible. So Peter steps out of the boat, and this, this man begins walking on water, Right? As far as I know, apart from Jesus himself, nobody else in history has walked on water. <laughs> this is an amazing moment for Peter, right? Like, he's defying all the laws of physics by faith, right? And he's walking on the water, but then something happens. The Bible says he looked and he saw the wind instead, and he began to sink. I, I fully believe, church, that Peter expected when he stepped out of the boat in faith that the storm would stop. He'd seen Jesus calm storms before, right? He believed when I step out of this boat, the storm's going to stop. And sometimes we picture Peter walking on a very calm lake, right? No, he's in the middle of a massive storm walking through the water. And the Bible says he turns and he sees the wind instead and he takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to sink. But Jesus, but he calls out to Jesus and Jesus pulls him out of the water and he says, Peter, why did you doubt? This man just walked on water. 
right? <laughs> but then when he sank, Jesus said, why did you doubt? In other words, you could have walked across this whole ocean in the midst of the storm. The wind could have been raging. The waves could have been above your head. But you could have walked all the way to the other side to me with me had you not doubted. Mm. Church, it's possible. It's, it's possible to step out in faith, but then walk in doubt. It's, it's possible to ask in faith and then wait in doubt. You can have a moment of faith followed by a season of doubt. And the Bible says in James chapter 1, if anyone doubts, he ought not to expect anything, to receive anything as coming from God. <laughs> I've heard preachers preach multiple times, God's okay with your doubt. He's fine with your doubt. I've heard people preach it. I've just never heard the Bible preach it. <laughs> It's not that God's okay. God is patient with you in your doubt, okay? Because he's gracious. He's patient with you. He's gracious, but he's not okay with it because he knows what your doubt hinders you from. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Church, if you want to see miracles from God, you have got to ask in faith and refuse to doubt. You can't, you can't be double-minded as James says, right? He says, and it, it, people who doubt are double-minded. In other words, on one side of your mind, you have faith. I know God can do it. And on the other side, you have doubt. But what if it's not his will? <clears throat> or on one side, you think, I know God is able, but what if it's not his timing? Or I know God can heal me, but what if, it's the, what if it's a thorn in my flesh? You can't be double-minded and expect to receive miracles. You've got to be single-minded in faith. You have got to take every doubtful thought captive and force it to be obedient to Christ. <clears throat> Every doubt, it doesn't mean doubts won't pop in your mind, but every doubt that pops in your mind, you have got to forcibly take it captive and make it obedient to the truth of the scripture. Uh. Let me tell you something. When a thought pops in your mind that raises itself up against the knowledge of God, there will be a captive taken in that moment. Either you will take that thought captive or that doubtful thought will take you captive and make you obedient to it. Are you guys with me? <laughs> I know I'm giving you a lot this evening, but I had a girl recently, I was preaching a few months back. I had a girl come up to the altar call and, and she told me, she said, I have rheumatoid arthritis. But I believe that it's, it's a thorn that God has given to me in my flesh. And I looked at her, I said, sweetheart, she was a, a teenage girl, I said, I said, sweetheart, God doesn't want you sick. I said, your daddy does not want you to be sick. 
your daddy wants to heal you. I said, do you believe that? And she said, and she thought about it. She said, yes, I believe it. And so I began to pray over her. And then I got the, I got the impression that it was a, a spirit of infirmity. So I rebuked the spirit of infirmity, and this girl fell down flat as a board. She let out three of the most blood-curdling screams you could ever hear, right? She, she screamed as loud as she could three times, and when she got back up, she was totally healed of rheumatoid arthritis. It, it wasn't a thorn in her flesh, right? It was, it was the enemy attacking her with sickness and God wanted her to be well. But as long as she had that false belief, false belief can be just as powerful as unbelief, if not more. Mm. Those thoughts, the devil wants those thoughts in your mind, right? Because those thoughts can keep you bound. But we got to walk in faith and refuse it. And maybe you're sitting here this evening, you say, no, you don't understand. I have every reason to doubt. I've been prayed over 30 times and I'm still sick. Don't doubt. <laughs> don't, Mary had every reason to doubt in this story, right? She came to Jesus. She said, Jesus, we're out of wine. You know, he said to her, he said, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. That sounds a lot like No. I guarantee almost anybody would have said, okay, well, I asked and God said, no, it must not be his will at this time. But not Mary, right? Mary does not even give in to doubt for a second. As soon as he says that to her, she looks to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. Because Mary had a revelation of faith. She knew that if she believed God and refused to doubt, that he would respond to her request. She got, you know, Mary got that revelation from an angel. You know that? When she was going to have Jesus, an angel came to Mary and she believed his word. And the, the angel spoke to her and said, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of the word that was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary understood from an angel that if she believed, God would bless her. Church, your faith attracts miracles from God. Your faith attracts blessings from God. Listen what the Bible says in Romans about Abraham. Romans 4, 18 through 21. Listen to what the Bible says. In hope, Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. When he was a hundred years old, he refused to doubt that he was going to have a fulfillment of the promise of God. <sighs> he waited in faith. He had a moment of doubt, right? We all have moments of doubt, 
but he waited in faith. Amen? There's another story that I love. It's the story of the Seraphonician woman. I'm going I'm to close in just a couple of minutes. Don't get tired. We're going we're gonna to go to prayer <laughs> very soon. <laughs> There's another story that I love. It's the story of the, of the Seraphonician woman who comes to Jesus, and she says her daughter has a demon and is suffering, and, and she asks Jesus to set her daughter free from this demon. And Jesus responds to the Seraphonician woman. He says, it's not right to give the food that belongs to the children to the dogs. Because up until that point, he had only gone to the Jews. Sounds harsh, right? But Jesus is testing her faith. By the way, faith that is untested is untrustworthy. So Jesus is testing her faith, right? And she responds to Jesus. She says, yes, but even the dogs receive the crumbs that fall from the children's table. And Jesus answered her. He says, because of this statement, it will be done for you. Hmm. Why, church? It was because of the statement. Church, some of you this evening need to make a statement. Some of you, when you come up to this altar call, we're gonna call we're gonna call up for miracles in just a few moments. Yeah, you guys, the band can come. Actually, we're gonna call up in just a few moments. When you come up to this altar call, I want to encourage you: do not hesitate, right? Because faith never hesitates, right? Come in faith, with no doubting. And make a statement tonight. You say, I'm not going to live with this sickness in my body anymore. In Jesus' name. You come up here and just like the Seraphonician woman, you make a statement of faith this morning and watch how God meets you. Hallelujah. Are you guys with me this evening? God prepared me for the quiet churches of New England by sending me as a missionary to Germany. (laughs) If you want to receive miracles from God, you got to understand that Jesus is the answer. You have to ask in faith and refuse to doubt. And the fourth thing that I'm going to leave you with very quickly This is the fourth thing that Mary understood. She understood that often the miracle is hiding behind obedience. What does she tell the servants? (laughs) Do whatever he tells you to do. Mary understood that the blessing is often hiding behind an act of obedience. You see this over and over again in Scripture. When Jesus heals people, there's very often an act of obedience required from them on their part. When he heals the crippled man, he says, stand up and walk. He doesn't pick him up. That crippled guy had to stand up on his own (laughs) and walk. There was an act of obedience in faith. When Jesus healed the man with the crippled hand, he said, stretch out your hand. He didn't pull it out for him. 
the guy had to stretch it out. Church, often I believe that people talk themselves out of miracles and they call it wisdom. It's, it's never wise to disobey the voice of God. There's a story where Elisha, uh, he tells King Naaman, King Naaman had leprosy. He comes to Elisha for healing. And he tells him, go bathe in the Jordan seven times. And King Naaman was angry. He was offended. He said, don't we have rivers where I come from? Why do I got to wash in this dirty Jordan River to be cleansed? He should have just laid hands on me and cleansed me. He got offended. And he left and he wasn't going to go to the river. And I'm telling you that if Naaman had not gone to the river, he would have been a leper to the day that he died. Because he didn't act in obedience. Thankfully, Naaman had a servant with him who said, my Lord, if he had asked you to do something crazy, you would have done it. Why can't you do this simple thing? And so Naaman went and he bathed in the Jordan River seven times and his skin was made brand new and his leprosy left him. But it was behind an act of obedience that he almost talked himself out of. Hmm. Church, when you come forward, you can stand to your feet. We're going to go into prayer. But when you come forward this evening, I want to encourage you. Come in faith with no doubting. Make a statement, right? And then be ready to just do whatever Jesus tells you to do. If you're coming because you have pain in your back and God tells you to touch your toes, you better touch your toes. <laughs> if you come because you got pain in your knees and God tells you to dance, you better start doing the ballet. <laughs> if you come for a financial miracle and God tells you to sow a seed, you better sow a seed in faith. If you come for a miracle in your family, and God tells you to call this person and tell them you forgive them and ask forgiveness. You better do it in faith. <sighs> Whatever it is, often your miracle is behind an act of your obedience. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so as we get ready to just sing, sing a song, the band's going to lead us in a song this evening. I want to invite you, if you're here this evening and you came because you need a miracle from God, whatever that might be, if it's a miracle in your body, if it's a miracle in your mind, if it's a miracle in your finances or in your family, whatever it might be, as the band begins to play this song, I want to invite you to come down to the front in faith. Come to the front in faith and make a statement this evening and say, God, from tonight on, I'm going to walk in my healing. I'm going to walk in your promises. I'm not going to have this sickness in my body anymore. Ask him in faith to touch you in that area, and we're going to see what God does tonight. In Jesus' name. <sighs> Father, right now, I pray you would move across this room. 
Move across this room, Father, from one side to the other. Just move across this place. I thank you, Father, that bodies are going to be healed tonight in Jesus' name, that pain goes tonight. We command sickness to go this evening in Jesus' name. No cancer cell can live in your presence. We command pain to go right now in the name of Jesus. Move, Holy Spirit. Move, Holy Spirit. Just begin to come. If you need a miracle, just begin to come to the front. We're going to come around. As the band leads us, we're going to pray for you. Just begin to pray. If you're not coming down, pray in tongues, worship. Begin to pray right now. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.